and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. So, OnlyFans, right? <laughs> We're going in. Okay. <laughs> so, OnlyFans, you know... Uh, earlier, like two weeks ago, said, you know, we're, hey, we're going to go public. And because, you know, bankers don't like porn, and I'm like, which bankers do you know? Uh, <laughs> we are no longer going to allow adult content. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my big question has been, Paul, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I guess I'll have to find a new media to, to share my, <laughs> my <laughs> to share my pictures. You're, well, you're, there is so much to the story they are still allowing nudity they're just not allowing anything hardcore well and that's that's uh, paul all the way exactly <laughs> exactly yeah well uh, so i don't know if you guys there, there's been an update to that story. i heard i heard tell us all about it paul <laughs> well they found i i believe it basically results in they found funding uh-huh. um and they're 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 back to normal so I, we can still have our our funny books only fans page without fear of repercussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, phew. Because you know, I I love that uh, you know that that four hundred dollar a month subscriber level where Paul will uh, you know play you with you toys. A bedtime story? He'll play <laughs> with toys. <laughs> <laughs> This is Superman and this is Batman. They're going to fight. <laughs> this isn't what I expected. <laughs> How did they both fit in at the same time? Well, and th- th- why like, is he yelling, Martha, Martha, Martha? And, and when Wayne's on, it's all Legos. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing good about that. That's that's yeah, the, no, that's that's the portrait porn. Come out. <laughs> Uh, what if this was true? What if? <laughs> <laughs> what if indeed? What would the what would Uatu the Watcher have to say? <laughs> he would be looking away. He would not watch. <laughs> uh, you know, this week, um, you know, was the third episode of What If, with which I it was it was an interesting concept. And you know, one of the things that I found that occurred to me when watching this week's What If is that in the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the options are relatively limited, right? It's not like the Marvel Comics Universe where you could say, hey, what if Ghost Rider became Thor? What if, you know, you you, you, limitless possibilities when you have the whole Marvel Universe at play. But, you know, when you have the movies only at play, you know, I, I, I was kind of interested that this third episode was basically like, Hey, what if they, what if someone killed the Avengers before they were formed? And it just, like I said, it occurred to me that, hmm, the options are kind of limited. They, they, they really have to stick to only things within the context of the cinematic universe. I think there's still a lot they can play with there because there's a lot of movies. There are. They, there they are. could essentially make a what if out of each movie. But how, how redundant would that be if you had, you know, okay, well, we're getting three Tony Stark related, you know, we're getting, you know, three. Captain America. I mean, it does get redundant. What, one of the things I'm hoping they do as they sort of, you know, uh, peel this onion is that they look at some things that maybe they're not going to introduce, you know, in, into the movies for a while and, you know, share a, a story, you know, like what if, you know, this character showed up? You know, what what if an origin happened differently? Those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, where I it's would love to see like mutants show up or Deadpool. Well, and I mean, I would not expect that we're going to see anything, you know, uh, like Fantastic Four or uh, the X-Men. Right. Because that's all going right. to happen on this on the big screen. But, you know, I could see an Eternals tie in come up. You know, with with the Eternals and Shang Chi, right? You know, because you know both of those movies are are in the near future. Um, but I would also, you know, something that's you know, what are we in phase four right now? Yeah. What if they're looking you know on down the line and they have you know something that teases phase five, phase six? I mean, I I think that might be fun. Yeah, I have to say one of the things I talked about in the previous uh, two episodes of it was that it kind of felt like. Uh, Everything was too, I don't know, better from all the changes. Uh-huh. And it just didn't feel like an actual what-if comic to me until this episode. 
I loved this episode. I thought it was an interesting idea. I figured out who the bad guy was going to be, you know, based on clues throughout it, which I always like when I can figure out who it's going to be. It felt like it was a twist in those moments. We go back to see moments from the movies and how they happen differently versus in the uh, in the first two. You get that one moment that changes versus in this one. You have multiple moments that are suddenly different. Yeah, I, go, go ahead, Paul. No, you go. No, I, what I found interesting was, you know, the, the I like how they tied together the plot threads of Iron Man 2. The Incredible Hulk and the first Thor movie basically all taking place within the same week, which, you know, I didn't quite get that when I was watching the movies originally. But, you know, I I like how they tied those together. Um, I like how they brought in elements of the Incredible Hulk, uh, you know, like that scene at the campus. I think there was a lot I did enjoy about the episode. I felt like. I don't know. Like, I will say, you know, for for what it's worth, I know, Wayne, you said this was your favorite episode. Oh, by far. I don't know that this was I mean, this this was this is probably middle for me of the three. I didn't quite like it as much as last week's Guardians of the Galaxy episode. And I think that's because the Guardians of the Galaxy episode just had so much energy and and fun to it. Whereas this one, I felt kind of felt like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode almost like, you know, it, it kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't get the momentum in this episode that they had in others. Well, and you know, Wayne, you were saying that you loved this one. In fact, I, you know, uh, in our chat this week, you said it was your your favorite uh, that we've seen so far. And I got to say, by far, my least favorite episode hmm. um, so far. I and, and it's a lot of what you said, Paul. Um, it did feel like an Agents of Shield episode. Um, what I I really had a hard time with both. Uh, the Black Widow uh, characters voicing as well. And was that Scarlett Johansson? I didn't check, no, but it didn't it sound like, like Scarlett Johansson to me. And I couldn't stand the way she was drawn. Um, I, I really, I mean, it's the first time I've, I've objected to any of the designs on these characters. Um, I really, really strongly uh, objected to that. And because she is your point of view character through much of the episode made it really hard to watch. Uh, I agree. I like that the clues were such that someone who is familiar with the Marvel cinematic universe can figure out who the, who the villain is before uh, that person is revealed to Nick Fury. Cause when they said, well, you know, it's, it's like something got inside the syringe and blocked it. I'm like, well, that's Ant-Man, right? And I'm like, well, it wouldn't be Ant-Man. Cause you know, why would it be Ant-Man? Oh my God. It's gotta, it's gotta be, you know, Ant-Man one, not Ant-Man two. <laughs> right. I, I yeah. it, you know, and I, I, I dug, I, I dug parts of it. Like I didn't hate it. It's just, uh, it was my least favorite of the three of the, the three. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, the third yeah. one. Um, the uh, the other two had me so involved in the story, I, I never pulled myself out of it, you know, and, and kind of editing. The whole time in both of those, both the Black Panther story and uh, the Captain Britain story, I was very much, you know, just in the moment, being a fan, loving what I was seeing. Yeah, and, and I whole- never felt that for either of those two yeah. episodes. So you know, it, it's great that there's something there's something for all of us. I didn't hate the episode. It's just of the three, it's my least favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, they did blow up the Hulk, which I didn't. I did enjoy that scene. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, are they going to show it? I mean, it wasn't gory. He, he like essentially erupted in a big green puff of it smoke. It would have been nice had there been some green guts all over everybody, yeah, just, right? Just everywhere. Yeah, I really got into that whole scene of. Uh, her, you know, Black Widow there looking for Banner and realizing that he's there. Yeah. But, yeah, no, by far my favorite episode. It was the only one that I got that invested in that I just uh, had to watch the whole episode right away and I didn't, I felt kind of disconnected from the first two. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I think where where I ultimately land is that the first two felt high concept and this didn't. Um, yeah, and but, I didn't you know, think this I felt don't, like, I don't necessarily want the high concept. My favorite what if stories were slight tweaks. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like you're only three episodes in. You save this for when you're you're tight on budget. But I know, I know that, it's a comic show, so it's not a cartoon, so it doesn't really matter. I know they're centered on you know 
in context, uh, in in continuity, Marvel Cinematic Universe stories. But I sure would love, since they own everything now, for mm-hmm. them to to go back and do like a what if Ghost Rider, a what if Blade. You know, those would be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, to show that they're sort of in boundaries because those are alternate universes, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think they'll ever do that, at least not in the first couple of seasons. But uh, man, I I I, I sure am enjoying uh, this cartoon. But let me tell you about a cartoon I did not enjoy, Paul. Uh-oh. Batman: The Long Halloween Part Two. Yes. Man, sir. that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have had dental procedures I've enjoyed more. I, I, the, the, this thing needed an editor like you would not believe. I really, really, really strongly hated Batman the Long Halloween Part 2. It was, it was like having a root canal. It just went on and on and on. And, you know, for something with, called Batman, there's precious little Batman in it. Uh, I really, I really hated this movie. But you liked the first part, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like. I thought the first part was great, but the payoff in part two is not worth a damn. And I love the, yeah, I love the story that it's based on. I could not stand this movie. You know, it's funny because we saw the first one, and I was like, man, I really feel like the story that I'm interested in is watching is the Harvey Dent story. Right. And I regret saying that because <laughs> because they gave you the Harvey much, Dent story. They gave me that in part yeah. two, and it was slow, very very slow. Yeah. Um, you know, Batman spent, which is really like I don't know, I don't remember exactly. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gone back and read read the comic series, but the fact that Batman was either incapacitated or drugged for the first half hour of the movie really, yeah, like I, it is one scene. It, he goes from one scene to another where he's either drugged incapacitated, knocked out, yeah. held hostage, like he gets knocked around like hour. a he gets knocked around like a bitch in this movie. Yeah, but then and, Cat, but, and like Catwoman just randomly shows up at every scene yeah, to save it, somebody. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, it's, you know, Deus Ex Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, after about the third or fourth time of Catwoman showing up where uh-huh. like randomly she uh-huh. had no real reason to be just to save someone, I was like, what is going on in this movie? <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was all, I mean, I, it was garbage. Yeah. I, I, and, and the fact that I paid $20 for it really pisses me off. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't enjoy the first part as much as you did, so I uh-huh. rented it instead of uh-huh. purchasing it. And, um, while I appreciate that I only paid six dollars versus right. twenty for the movie, um, I was also disappointed that your six dollar rental gets you none of the bonus features. Right. So I was not able to. So see you've the not seen Blue Beetle yet. No, uh, did you? I haven't watched it. I was so I was so uh, disgruntled by the time I finished the Long Halloween. I mean, I was like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I mean, I was so irritated at the end of that this movie. movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not a, it's it is. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Um, well, and know, what's and, sad is that you know the things that work in the movie is the art direction, mm-hmm. uh, the the design of the characters, the uh, choreography on the fight scenes. All of that is really well done. I love the you know title credit design, uh, and I typically hate that kind of stuff. But you know the the way this this movie is packaged is terrific. It's the story and the editing that are just garbage. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were, and here's the thing: there's a lot of elements that could have worked. Uh huh. You know, the, the 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 crime family stuff, the Harvey Dent stuff, like those are elements that worked in the first one to the point that I wanted more of them, and then they gave me more of them, but not in a way that was good. Um, well, and there's no payoff with Calendar Man. You no know, payoff with Calendar Man. Yeah, none. And I'm just like, I know it's been 15 years since I've read The Long Halloween, but I recall being much more satisfied in that story than I was with any of the storylines in this story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I really hated this movie. Well, and you know, again, Batman spends the first half hour of the movie incapacitated. Yeah. All of his villains team up and him and Catwoman are able to take them uh-huh. out in the span of about three minutes uh-huh. um, for the big climactic battle. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? 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 Yeah. It, it was. Yeah. It, I think the film just didn't jive, didn't work. Um, and certainly I probably I shouldn't say probably I, I can say that I will not be revisiting um, this animated movie. It just yeah. it, there's nothing to revisit, you know, for me. It is um, no bueno on a rewatch. No, it is no bueno. I, uh, I I really wish that you could rent these movies and then if you like them, you could apply your rental fee to the purchase. 
uh, you know, nobody does that in that drive. That, that, no. I, I really think that's a, a missed opportunity because I'd be much more inclined to try some of these movies out. Uh, but boy, I feel like I really got screwed on this one because wow, that part two is is garbage, just garbage. Yeah, that that would definitely be a good feature to have because on things like this, I have that thought of do I want to buy it or do I just want to rent it? Yeah. The question, the answer is uh, based on will I ever watch it again? You know, Amazon on their uh, digital music service, but before they became a subscription service, you know, if you bought a couple of songs from an album, they'd send you a thing going, hey, you could finish your album and, you know, you don't have to pay for the songs you already bought, right? You know, you can, you can, they'd give you like a deal on finishing out the album. Yeah, I really, it would be cool if, if they did something like that here. Yeah. Even better would be something like Audible where you can return it for any reason. Right. Yeah. I, I, the, uh, Audible's ret- return policy is fantastic. I, I use that all the time. Oh, speaking of returns, have we talked about on the show our, our uh, superhero shirt debacle with uh, the company out of Hong Kong? I don't think, I don't we think so. Okay, so – a while back, uh, at the beginning of the summer, I had come across via my Instagram feed a uh, series of shirts that were just super cool. There was like a Godzilla shirt, there was a King Kong shirt, all kinds of Star Trek and, and superhero shirts, yeah. and there were button down. Yeah, there were button down like uh, Hawaiian uh, shirt cuts. Uh, anyway, you know, we I, I shared that with the guys, and you know, we all ordered some. I ordered three. Paul, how many did you order? Just the one. Just the one. Uh, Wayne, how many did you order? Two. Okay. So we all get them, and uh, Paul didn't get what he ordered. No, I got a Nirvana shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne got some of what he ordered, and every single shirt that I ordered was wrong. Uh, Yeah, out of all of us, you got screwed the hardest, I think, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we have each in our own ways been engaged in, uh, you know, trying to to get a refund on what we ordered. I paid for mine via PayPal and have been working through PayPal to, to get my refund. Uh, you know, and initially the, the, the seller, again, based out of Hong Kong, uh, you know, came back and said, Oh, yeah, you know, we, we see what happened here. We see that the, the text on our website was misleading. <laughs> uh, and we will, we, we can offer you a 20% refund. And I, and I responded with, no, that's, that is, uh, unacceptable. You sent me, uh, 100% of the wrong thing. I'm not going to wear any of these shirts because it's it, like one is a NASCAR shirt. Uh, <laughs> one has got like, uh, Texaco on it. And then one thing that looks like a Simpsons knockoff shirt. I'm, I've got them all right here. He <laughs> <laughs> just keeps well, them close so you can stay angry. And so, that's why I say you got screwed the hardest out of this. Yeah. Paul got a shirt that he probably doesn't want, but it's one shirt. Yeah. I got one of the shirts I wanted, and the other one is actually a good shirt that I've worn. It's not the one that I wanted, but it's right. still, you know, it's one that I'm not angry about owning. You, however, got three worthless shirts. Oh, yeah. I got Rogered pretty hard here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I, I, I you know, they, they said, you know, we'll we'll give you 20 percent. And uh, I said I said unacceptable. And they, said, they came back and they said, you know, because they had said 20 percent is our best offer. And I said, no. And they came back and said, OK, 40 uh, percent, you know, and you can keep the shirts. <laughs> And uh, I, I again, I said, I said, unacceptable. You know, and, uh, these these shirts are worthless to me. Uh, I have no intent to wear them. Uh, they are they are unappealing designs. And uh, you know, I would like, I you know, please. I said, I'm, I'm happy to accept the shirts I ordered. Uh, I or you can give me a full refund. And I'm saying all of this through PayPal. Yeah. And uh, th- that last rejection, I mean, they they went silent for a while. And you know, I I have. I don't know if you guys have ever objected about something or you know filed a claim via PayPal before, but usually uh, PayPal resolves pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, and I've always had them decide in my favor. Um, this one, th- there was a long pause, probably of about two weeks, before the seller finally responded, and they responded this week and they said, "Okay, we'll give you a full refund, but you have to return the shirts, and you're doing that on your dime." And I t- I responded to PayPal. You know, PayPal says, okay, so you know, do you accept this? And I said, no, I don't accept this. I said, <laughs> you know, these are shirts I didn't order. Um, I am under no obligation to return something I did not order. You know, they are uh-huh. under every obligation. Right. They are under every obligation to 
to refund my money or send me what I ordered. And let me also step back and say the, the three shirts I ordered were all Star Trek shirts. Um, and I suspect they never got, had the license for those um, because they are still on their website but they show no longer available. And they tell me, you know, uh, we, uh, we we can't ship those shirts. And I'm sorry, these, these are shirts I feel like they print. I don't feel like they're just sitting in a, in a storeroom waiting to be shipped. Um, anyhow, <laughs> uh, PayPal says, well, you know, uh, sorry you feel that way. But, you know, our policies do allow for the uh, seller to require you to send back the other items. And I'm like, I am not paying for shipping to Hong Kong. Yeah, and it kind of feels like PayPal's getting some sort of cut from this company well, because here, here's the I've weird... never seen service like this from them. Well, no, nor have I. And I, I said there is no way in hell I'm paying for shipping on this. Uh, you know, PayPal, I don't understand why. I mean, I got really, you know, terse with PayPal. And they said, yeah, we'll pay for the shipping. Yeah. So PayPal's refunding wow. me to ship this off to Hong Kong. And uh, I'm getting a full refund on this, apparently. Dang. I guess nice. I should have kept fighting. I gave up. <laughs> yeah, I gave up, too. But it is weird to me that PayPal is paying for the shipping. That is that is beyond weird to me. Probably because they were going to pursue it instead. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, uh, I, the reason why I use PayPal rather than just my American Express, because if you've ever filed a claim like this with American Express, they immediately – I have always had them immediately refund my money. I mean, it's not like one of these 30-day open case things. It's, you know, they immediately find on my behalf. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, because I didn't know this company, I'm like, eh, I feel better off you know, yeah. doing PayPal than I do American Express. Yeah, so. same here. That's why I did PayPal because I was yeah. like, eh, if it's a known company, then I have right. then I'm generally fine, right? Yeah. And I know I'm protected through American Express regardless, but the hassle of, of having your card number – you compromised oh, right. or something. Well, just you know that like better than anybody, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, I've been through it. You've been through it, Paul. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, Aaron. But never uh, have. Really? See, yeah. Knock on wood, because like it feels like everyone has. Yeah. Yeah, and in my case, it happened to me long enough ago that the banks didn't have policies for this, so it wasn't right. a you know dealt with in a couple days thing. It was a multi month thing to get my money back, right. including filing. Uh, like I had to write write up an affidavit, and it was a whole ordeal. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm I, you know I, I money's not in my in my account yet, but uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Okay. Okay. Well, keep me updated. Keep us updated on the saga. I will. I will. And then <laughs> then we'll write a comic book about it. Maybe. Maybe. It probably won't be interesting. Maybe, maybe it's a crime that uh, Robin could investigate. Perhaps. So, yeah, let me talk about something that actually brought me joy <laughs> instead of sadness this week. Um, Robin issue five. I, I'm way behind. I've only read the first issue of Robin. Maybe the first two issues of Robin um, from Joshua Williamson and, and Gleb Melnikoff. Um, but this week I picked it up uh, for two reasons. One, Joshua Williamson has been announced as the new writer on the Batman books taking over or Batman I should say taking over because James Tinian the fourth is off to do his Substack thing. Um, and he's, he's the current writer on Robin and two, the cover had rumble of the Robins where all the Robins are together. You've got red hood, Tim Drake, spoiler nightwing and Damian Wayne Robin. Yeah. I almost picked it up just for that reason, Paul, but I haven't read issue one through four and I don't like Damian. So I didn't, but just the idea of all of them coming together was enough that I almost bought it. Well, I will tell you, Tim Drake and Stephanie kind of get the shaft a little bit in in, in this issue. Um, it, and what I mean by shaft is they they are not prominently featured. So it, it, the entire issue is basically. Oh, I, I thought you were making a comment about him being by now. <laughs> no, both no. got the shaft. No, 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 uh, no. I was. Um, they, you know, this is, issue is basically a rooftop race, and they don't really have a moment to shine in the same way other than that Tim Drake or Damian Wayne does acknowledge that, uh, they're on a break. Um, but other than that, you know, you do get some moments with Jason Todd and a really great moment with Nightwing where they talk about Alfred's death and the effect it's having on Damian Wayne because he saw it happen. Um, I actually, if you're a Robin fan, it, it's hard to say 
to Wayne that I recommend this book because he is not a Damian Wayne fan. Um, but you know, if you liked the era in which uh, Dick Grayson was Batman and Damian Wayne was his Robin, really some great moments in this book. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Now, do you have need to have read issue one through four? I mean, I haven't read issues three and four, and I was still able to get enough out of it to know that Robin's part of a tournament on an island uh, that, that, you know, but he's gone to Gotham City to get some guidance from from the other Robins. So, okay, I mean, so he left the island because I was having yeah. the thought of, man, this island just is getting visitors like crazy during this since <laughs> uh, Jonathan, you know, Kent showed up there. No, no, he's he's gone back to Gotham just for for one night before the tournament has officially begun. So I I thought it was great. Um, I really really enjoyed it. I'm looking you know I'm looking forward to getting caught up on the book and you know very curious to see what Joshua Williamson's going to bring to the Batman title itself. Um, I I like most of his stuff as as a writer. Um, you know he's writing that Infinite Frontier book as well. So it's a, he's a little uneven, but at least with Robin. Um, the book is fun, which is, you know, with a Damian Wayne book, you really could go either way. And this book was just really nice, emotional beats, fun uh, banter, just a just a good Robin book, which brings us to Superman 78. I know we were all looking forward to this, despite the fact that Batman 89 disappointed us. Uh, a few weeks ago, this is the the new book set in the universe or the whatever continuity of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Um, the Richard Donner verse. The Richard Donner verse. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so hashtag I'm, bring back the Donner verse. <laughs> they did, and it, it it didn't work. Um, that Superman returns. Oof. So Wayne, I, I, I I'm curious to hear from you first. Mr. Because, you, you know, I know you've been looking forward to this book quite a bit. Yeah, I was nervous after the Batman one was not at all what I wanted from it. My biggest complaint with the Batman one is the characters did not feel like the characters from the movie. And thankfully, I don't have that issue with this. This felt like the Clark Lois Superman from these movies to me. Uh, it is a little weird seeing him fight like a big robot when in those movies they didn't, didn't really have anything of like that technology level, even if you include the third movie. But I love the little things like he's there with Lois on the street and stopping a crime by just using his heat vision without having to switch over to Superman. That's the kind of thing that you saw him do in those movies is find ways to use his powers to st- to make an effect without giving up his identity. I enjoy this a lot. I love the art style. It has a very retro feel to it. I liked the characters. They all felt like they were from the movies. As much as I disliked the Batman one, I think that's how much I liked this one. So the book I am is drawn, really curious your take. The book is drawn by Wilfredo Torres, uh, an artist I'm not familiar with. But, you know, I got to say, I, I feel like the, uh, the tone is almost pitch perfect in terms of the visual storytelling and you know drawing of the you know 1978 era environments uh it does emulate the look of the you know first two superman movies really well i think he does a really good job of making clark look like christopher reeves as clark kent and you know making uh you know perry mason not perry mason uh, perry white <laughs> That's and a different book yeah <laughs> uh perry white and you know you see on the cover uh lex luthor you know th- th- those guys look very much like the actors who played them as those characters what he does less well is make lois look like margot kidder um, in fact, I was like, this this woman is much prettier than Margot Kidder. And I think the cover does a good job of it, just not necessarily the interiors. Yeah, no, I, the 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 end story. Well, and I don't even think the cover looks very much like her. Um, but you know, I, I and I think that goes to he's probably a lot more comfortable draw, you know, drawing male characters than female characters. And there are some artists who who that that's exactly you know their uh, their talent. But 
all in all, I, I think the visual storytelling is really good. Now, this is a Bobby V uh, written book. You know, uh, Robert Venditti uh, writes this book, and I think that his his take on the story is also really strong and emulates the Donner storytelling really well. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I, I I was like like you said I was very very worried going into this book given how disappointed I was in Batman '89, but I think Superman '78, 11 years earlier, uh, is uh, is really a strong book. I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, there is a uh, coloring error on page 19 that I noticed. Well, Superman's got yeah, Superman's got blue taint. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> you're, you're right you're right it does no i can't that see it that is no, that is no bueno <laughs> so paul what'd you think um i liked it you know i didn't like it you know I, I it doesn't sound like i appreciated it as much as you all did now that being said i i hate to say this but i'm not the biggest donner superman movie fan mm-hmm. um you know, I certainly appreciated them in my youth. As an adult, I find I don't necessarily care for watching them um, as I did, you know, when I was a, a kid. So I was much more looking forward to the Batman '89 book, and despite its its issues, I'm you know I'm going to continue with that book. This one, I'll give another issue. I mean, I thought the I thought it was fine. Um, the Wilfredo Torres art, very Chris Somney ish. I'm curious to see where the story goes. Like Wayne said, some you know the, the the thing that pulled me out of it a little bit was the appearance the appearance of the Brainiac robot because yeah it definitely you know when you create a comic book based on a media property and you inject something in it under the pretense of well the budget is unlimited unlike the movies right it pulls me out of the moment because that's then then you're leaving the universe that. Yeah. You're emulating. That is I actually agree. the biggest problem I have with most adapted, you know, TV shows to comic books mm-hmm. is they suddenly have no budget, so they start doing things they couldn't do on the show, and it kills the feel of it. Yeah, yeah that, that you should. I, I truly believe that in the confines of the stories and others like it, there shouldn't be anything on the page that you couldn't have produced in the movie in 1978. Right. Yes. And so if you're going to have the robot, the robot should not be nearly as sleek. You know, it should not look nearly as 21st century as it does. No, I absolutely agree. One of the things that that I really think is missing from the book, because this this book is based on the film and the character designs are, you know, the actors that that were in the movie. I really wish they had cast Brainiac. I do, too. You know, it would have been cool, like, you know, and I know that he is, you know, out of favor these days, but why not cast somebody like a Kevin Spacey or, you know, use a 70s actor like Telly Savalas as uh, as Brainiac? I mean, there are things that you could have done uh, to make this. You have characters who, who are very distinct because they're based on, you know, a real life human. When you get to Brainiac. He's just a comic book character. Yeah. And so that 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 really leaves you wanting you know, why didn't he look like somebody? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, I wonder if cuz I one of the things I, I found inter- I find interesting in these books is the for for certain on the interior art or some of the art the the characters look kind of like them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the actors. Um, in other cases, a little less. In, in some cases, like on the cover here, it was spot on. And I'm wondering, is Warner Brothers actually getting licensing rights now? Are they, you know, are, are the are the likenesses not close enough to have to pay those likeness rights, or is this somehow still from the contracts? that those actors signed back in 78 and 89 that Warner brothers is still able to use their licenses in the context of comic adaptations of that material. I think think it's the last one, Paul. I think, I think that, I think that they sign those likeness rights, uh, into perpetuity and, you know, uh, for this kind of stuff. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody on, on the actor side is making any money off these comics. Well, and from that standpoint, most, they're all dead. You know, about half of the, none of them are here. Is Hackman dead? Yeah, Hackman died. No, 
Gene Hackman's still alive, right? Christopher, yeah. Christopher Reeves is still dead. Margot Kidder's dead. Right. I forgot Margot Kidder died. And I'm, yeah. I'm suddenly drawing a blank on who played Perry White. Uh, yep. But he, but he was a little dead. rascal. He's been he's been deceased for a while now. Yeah, fair. Yeah, but, all but of the main their estates aren't making their estates aren't making any money on this either. Yeah, right. You know, my guess is that you know the just like just like Star Trek, right? You know, the the guys who uh, yeah, you know, they they sign those likeness rights away. Yeah, and that's crazy that they can use them into perpetuity, right? The, yeah. we're, I mean, Superman right. and Batman, notwithstanding, you know, because they've always been DC, but those Star Trek rights, I mean, that's have changed companies, you know, a dozen times over. Same with Star Wars, huh? Yeah, no, it's a good point. Yeah, but, I guess you know, that's just it, part of the contract. It, it, you bring this up makes me think of something. It would be fun to see in in the pages of Superman seventy eight a multiverse story that brings together the former super, the, you know, like George Reeves. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and even bringing forth some of the future ones. You know. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, Lois and Clark, <laughs> you know, uh, the Superboy, both of the Superboy TV shows, you know, just bring in all the live action Supermen. Uh, hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah cause I, unlike Paul, I still very much watch the Superman, you know, the motion picture frequently. Right. And I, I'm I, a I, huge I, George Reeves fan, too. I mm-hmm. go back and watch his series a lot. I like uh, Superman one and two a great deal. Yeah, uh, I don't rewatch three or four. Yeah, those are terrible. <laughs> those are just terrible. When uh, when Christopher Reeves starts wearing a wig instead of dyeing his hair black, who who? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I still awful. go back. To one of my favorite moments throughout any comic book movie is still those first scenes of Superman where he's doing nothing but flying around saving people. Yeah, catching Lois in the helicopter and then just flying around montage of rescues. I love that in comic book movies. I have to say I was a little surprised that uh, Robert Vendetti uh, got the writing chores on this one, given that Jeff Johns interned under Richard Donner. Uh, I kind of thought maybe that the first arc might get written by him, but I guess maybe Jeff Johns wrote his Superman 78 in the pages of Action Comics. Yeah, because Gary Frank definitely okay. emulated exactly. the, uh, yeah. the actors in that run. I, I also have to give credit to, I guess it's probably the artist, but there are so many nods in this book. Things like uh, Schuster Station, mm-hmm. the graffiti, one of the graffiti signs is Otisburg. Right. There's like so many little references that just, uh, you know, they don't jump out unless you're a huge fan of the movies. Right. And the character. Yeah, I, I got to say, uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. I don't think it's a great book, but I think it was a really good book. I, I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah, and it was fun. I, and I got to say, it's one of those books that I, that I really expected was going to be immediately available on uh, the DC Infinite app. And it is not, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I really expected that this was going to be a day and date for infinite, uh, cause you know, the milestone books have been day and date. Um, yeah. speaking of so. the milestone books, I am really curious. You were disappointed by icon and rocket number one. Uh, yeah. You know, and just to, as a, as a, as a reminder, in case you've forgotten that conversation, there was nothing new in icon and rocket number one. It was just really sort of a straight up retelling of the icon origin. Yep. Which uh, was why I liked it. And you were disappointed with it because I'd never read the original. Right. But I gotta say, uh, issue number two was, uh, aimed at me. I very much enjoyed the second issue of icon and rocket. Um, I, I thought, you know, number one, I think the artwork is really strong on this book. Um, I really dug, uh, the storylines between, you know, the, the two main characters and the threat, uh, that is present here. I, I got, I got a big kick out of this one. It, and it felt like this was new territory. I didn't feel like, you know, there are certainly elements that were, uh, present in the original series, but it didn't feel like a straight up retelling. Uh, yeah, what was really interesting to me that I don't think I've seen in a superhero comic before. They show up in costume and all of this, and mm-hmm. police immediately figure out who she is. Right. And go go to her family and go to people. They can't prove it, but right. they immediately figure it out. And the government already knows about him, so they have masks and the secret identity, but it's not much of a secret. Yeah. I, you know, 
part of the icon origin is that you know he's an outer space alien you know in, in the vein of uh, uh, Clark Kent you know arrives to Earth and is you know matures among humanity now he was a full grown adult at least in the original story uh, he was I think and I think in this one as well he was a full grown adult but then you know uh, reverts to a child. Uh, when he gets here and then matures as a human being, uh, and, yeah. and you know he he arrived here during the antebellum period in America, so he grows up a black slave. And, well, and I don't know if this was the case with the original, but on this one, it copies DNA from the people around him. Right. And right. that's why he takes a human form, and specifically a black human form. Right. So as he matures he decides that you know this slavery thing is is garbage and uh you know takes he seizes the uh, the the plantation that he's on and makes it you know a free uh site for for uh, the folks who live there you know ca- casting out the white folks and you know letting all of the uh former slaves live there free and you know of course you know the confederacy they're not down with that and so they attack him and so he then declares war on the confederacy and there is this just badass page where he goes to uh the capital of the confederacy and <laughs> comes walking out of the you know inferno that is the state house with the decapitated head of Confederate President Jefferson Davis in his hands, I mean, I'm like, I'm like that is so fucking badass. Yeah, I did I not love see this that page. coming at all. Yeah, I love no, the I, comments on it too. It's like in his heart he was not a killer, but he wanted to send a message to the world. Yeah, I, I this this page was the most badass page I have seen in a very very long time. I spent a lot of time on this page it's great it's I, I i love this book i thought this book was terrific yeah and having not read the original i have no idea who this character is that's doing the narration that then you know they've really they've really distilled about 12 issues or more of like of the original icon and rocket into two books um and i i gotta tell you like i said the first issue was not for me this one absolutely was i i I really very much enjoying it and you know i'm doing my big uh watch of young justice right now uh, because i'd never seen the entire series and i you know was completely unaware that icon and rocket are mentioned many times in the uh, in, in the uh, run of that show, I just finished the one where you know they're they're considering uh, Rocket for a membership in the Justice League. I, I'm just I love that. I love that they're present in that Young Justice universe. I have forgotten that as well. It, it, yeah. Honestly, I don't think I ever finished the second season of that show. But I, oh, I really? do, I've been meaning to revisit it. It's oh, just one of those things that I never got around to. The show is so good, and the. Uh, you know, they have the exclusive season that had come out on the. Net, net. Go ahead. It was, Sorry. They had the exclusive season that came out on the DC Universe app oh, yeah. that now is on HBO Max. Yeah, I, I'm watching it from the beginning, and I I think I just finished season one. Uh, it's surprisingly good. Yeah, it's surprisingly e- good. Each season has a time jump. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I think one of the shows, one of the comics that I read that lends it that could lend itself well to that type of animated series, um, and we've talked a little bit about this, is Strange Academy. You know, issue twelve came out this week, uh, written by Scotty Young, art by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado, and you know, kind of similar, right? Like young characters, the, the next generation in this case of of magic users in the Marvel universe, and you know, this is about kind of it's like they're the harry potter meets the avengers academy um you know book and so this issue 12 concludes the second arc we've talked a little bit about the inconsistency in release dates for Mm -hmm. this book because like i said it felt it feels like it's been like two months since the last issue whereas on the flip side it feels like you know sometimes there's two weeks between issues right Right. And it's like, OK, yeah, what, what is what is the actual release schedule for this book? Because I'm looking at it. The last issue of Strange Academy came out on June 9th. Before that, it was May 5th. Before that, it was March 10th. Before that, it was February 3rd. So some and before that, it was January 27th. So we had issues seven and eight come out a week away from each other. Then we were on a monthly cadence and then we were on a bi-monthly cadence. So 
I don't know <laughs> what, the, what the release <laughs> schedule is other than inconsistent. Um, but, you know, Strange Academy issue 12, uh, you know, comes out and, and we get, uh, you know, more background and revelations about Calvin and his jacket. And um, Aaron, what do you think of this issue? Love this story. I, I yeah. the uh, the monster being in the jacket was just so weird. And, you know, I, I, I we didn't talk about this before. But the jacket that Calvin's always wearing, even though when it's, you know, weather inappropriate, mm-hmm. uh, I I really related to that because when I was a little fat kid, uh, okay. I wore my jacket all the time because I thought it made, made me not look fat. <laughs> and, you know, Calvin's a round person. And I'm just like, OK, well, I completely get why Calvin's wearing this jacket. Wow. But the Derek, monster that actually, is- that feels really good to hear because I did the same thing. <laughs> I, for I years, I always had a jacket on. It could be like a light windbreaker or something, right? But it was going to be something to hide my form. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I, and I, I, I certainly did that. And uh, I, I love that the monster was in the jacket. I, I, I love this story. Um, I, I really connected with that because it really spoke to my, you know, inner fat kid. Well, and I love, you know, one of the things I, I really appreciate about Strange Academy, one, you know, the stakes feel high, but no, but, you know, basically two characters have died and come back. Right. So the stakes are kind of high, but not really. But on the, but, you know, they, they have emotional stakes, but I'm glad they don't let them, you know, um, ferment or whatever right. for a couple of issues because, you know, uh, Calvin's jacket kills Toth in a prior issue. Right. And, you know, but Toth is able to be reformed uh, in this issue and, and basically immediately forgives him, as does the rest of the class, even well, though they basically the, spent the entire issue fighting his jacket. That is it. the nice thing about this. This story is if this were an X-Men story, it, this would have been a rift that would have caused a spinoff because you'd have the pro Calvin folks and the anti Calvin folks. Right. Yeah. You know, it, this would have ended the team. Um, that's not what happens here. These kids forgive each other. Uh, I, I, these kids are all traumatized. They've all got some secret horrible thing that's happened in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love that they work it out. And to your point, Paul, I think this would be an excellent animated series. Yeah. I, I, you know, there is, there is so much here and the designs are great. You know, the one thing that, that, uh, I, I, I keep, thinking about this this book is that this and the previous issue are so horrific yeah um the the monster is just as gross as he can be and the solution <laughs> is also just <laughs> okay. as there's a lot of body horror here yeah <laughs> and, and and there's just a lot of oh my god you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I it's a great book. I, 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 you know, I know that Wayne, you don't enjoy the Umberto Ramos of it all, but boy, I, I think he's the perfect artist for this story. He is. And, you know, for, for, for people who are listening, who are parents, you know, kind of looking for ways to get their kids into comics. If, if your kid is a Harry Potter fan, yeah, this is, this is the book to pick yeah. up. Um, hundred percent. This is the book to pick up because it's Marvel Universe adjacent, especially now that everyone knows Doctor Strange. It's right. you know, it's you know, it's Marvel Universe adjacent, so that they don't need to have read a thousand issues of a Marvel comic to understand what's going on here. Um, but it's enough. You know, it's, it's, I it's, love it's how this conversation just went. There's all of this you know stuff going on and body horror and yeah. If you're a parent <laughs> trying to get your kids into a book, <laughs> yeah, but you know it's not it's not that kind of body horror, right? It's it's body horror that I feel like an adolescent, especially you know someone preteen, you know, kind of coming into their their teenage years, can identify with because it, it is about that, right? It, it's it's very much a, a metaphor for those you know the the growing up with trauma or having a secret or you know things like that. So it's a great book. Great book. I, you know, maybe I'm putting too much weight on it, but I highly recommend it. It's, you know, it's definitely one of my favorite books, but I think it, it, it probably reads excellent in a nice hardcover trade. Yeah, it's a good book. I'm really curious. Um, there are, you know, we all have our favorite characters mm-hmm. and uh, our least favorite characters. And one of my least favorite characters in the Marvel Universe is Darkhawk. And uh, <laughs> I know that, that Wayne and Paul, you know, y'all are, uh, are, are, are highly enthusiastic about Darkhawk. And uh, there was a new number one for Darkhawk this week. I'm really curious to hear what you guys thought. 
Yeah, coming into it, there were a couple things going for it and a couple things going against it. Uh, for it is the fact that I like the character of Darkhawk. I love Kyle Higgins as a writer, and he was the writer for it. Going against it was the last issue of Darkhawk we had. I don't remember. It was one of the special issues or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dark, the main character, uh, Chris, dies and gives oh, away yeah. the power. So I knew going in, this wasn't going to be the Darkhawk that I followed all this time. They were going to give us a new character. So that was something kind of going against it for me going in. But it's still Darkhawk and it's Kyle Higgins. So I was going to give it a shot. Yeah, I picked it up, and you know, I, to, to Wayne's point, I picked it up for the Kyle Higgins of it all, right? I don't pick up every Darkhawk book that comes out, but when you put Darkhawk with Kyle Higgins, I'm like, okay, okay, I like I like Kyle Higgins. And then I heard right before the book came out, I heard about the concept that the lead character has multiple sclerosis, and I was like, that's you know, that's an interesting take. You know, we we've certainly seen um, characters who have some type of disease or disability that you know the that you know their powers have to compensate for right? yeah that so. was something i hadn't heard about going in paul yeah so, so i think the ahead. whole time as you're as the character in the beginning is having spells of things i thought it was the powers reaching out to him yeah i think that's what you they want you to think right and then they they come up with the revelation of, of the multiple sclerosis and so i like all of that wow did i hate the art on this book though um this felt like a fill-in artist <laughs> to me. I, I, I thought the art in this book was so amateur, B-grade, whatever you want to call it. I really hated the art of this book. Um, yeah, there is a scene that artistically, it this should be like staggering. Mm-hmm. It is when he has this, he's out running, he has the spell of MS, loses control of his body, falls, bashes his head like his eye on a corner of the street and is laying there unconscious, bleeding out. That should have had like huge impact. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. The anatomy is wrong. The faces don't quite show the emotion that I think they're intended to. It. There are so many better artists who have done similar types of books. Um, hell radiant black. Um, oh. You know, that I feel like the art in this book, you know, I know I'm being mean to the artist on this book and I'm not familiar with him. It's Juanan Ramirez. Uh, But yeah, I just the art in this book totally took me out. I mean, from the first page, I was like, huh, okay, this I feel like I'm reading something from from an amateur publisher, not a Marvel comic Kyle Higgins book. Yeah. And I do not like the costume redesign either. No, but I think that's, you know, with the right artist, you can make that look badass. But, yeah, it just it didn't work for me, the art. And I feel like because of that, comics are a visual medium, right? I'm out. I'm not out. I'm giving it a second issue because I did like the story. I liked this take on a character. I The, uh, you know, football star that is MS is starting to hit him. I thought that was an interesting story. Did you say football? You really Sorry. don't know your sports, do you? <laughs> the, basketball, <laughs> the basketball star that MS is starting to hit him. God, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. It's all sports ball, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's a sport. You know, when you've got a writer like Kyle Higgins, I, this is one of those things I've always wondered about in comics, is why would you give him an artist that's not going to be up to the storytelling? Yeah, you know, one of the variant covers was by Ron Lim. Now, don't get right. me wrong. I don't think Ron Lim is doing a ton of interior art nowadays. He's not. Yeah. But, damn, that's the yeah. book I want. <laughs> right. Well, and, I, you know, I am, again, I'm not a Darkhawk fan, but I know there are a lot of people who are. Why not give them an, give them the artist? I That's what I don't understand. And, I mean, it it's not like you had... I wonder what the pressure is to say, okay, well, let's give him this guy who really, he's not selling it in the, in the sketches. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. 
I understand that you've got to develop your 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 talent because you're not always going to have the superstars available to you. But I this seems like a missed opportunity because you know you're never going to get to reillustrate the story again. And Kyle Higgins is a really good writer. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. If you want if you want to play in the you know the big leagues, if you want Darkhawk to play in the big leagues, you want to make this a high profile book, which you do by hiring Kyle Higgins, right? Because of what he's known for, you want Darkhawk to be talked about. But then, you know, then give him an artist, you know, throw, you know, throw a Pat Gleason on this book or, yeah. or someone who's going to you know, bring their A game. You know, I was I, I follow a lot of artists on uh, Instagram and I found out something this week I didn't know. Um, I, do you remember that old uh, dark horse superhero setting comics greatest world back in the 90s? Yeah. yeah. I loved that thing. I really did. I, I thought CGW was was terrific. I never knew that Doug Mankey, uh, our our beloved Doug Mankey from DC Comics, drew over there. He did his time over at Dark Horse, huh. drawing covers and some of the interiors. Like he did some of the King Tiger books. Uh, I, I'm just. I, I was following his inst- his Instagram, and he's like, somebody had me autograph this. I'd forgotten I'd done these things. And so then he started running a bunch of his pictures from, you know, Comics Greatest World. And I'm like, that is how long it takes, right? Yeah, because that was like you 30 know, you, years ago, maybe? Yeah, you got to do your time. The reason I'm in for issue two is also the preview shows uh, that Spider-Man is going to be guest starring in the second issue. And Spider-Man guest starring in an issue isn't necessarily a reason to grab it, except... Darkhawk Spider-Man crossovers were always a big thing for the character. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week is a pretty light week, actually. So um, we have Batman Fear State Alpha number one, which is the start of the the big Batman crossover. Um, you know, featuring Scarecrow as the main villain. This is the end of James Tinian the Force. This storyline is the end of James Tinian the Force run on Batman. Um, you know, runs through the Halloween season. Uh, speaking of Joshua Williamson, who I talked about earlier, Infinite Frontier issue five comes out. I think that's only a six issue series. So we're, we're getting near the end of, of that Infinite Frontier storyline. From, also from DC Comics, Static Season One, Issue Three. I, I never picked it up. Are you guys still on Static? Yeah, I think he gets his costume in this issue. Oh, okay. Interesting. I thought you weren't getting Issue Two, Aaron. So I never mentioned that I picked it up and read it. And I like Issue Two much better than Issue One. I'm I'm reading it in Infinite. Okay. Because it's uh, it's available day and date there. Yeah, uh-huh. I liked Issue Two much better than Issue One. Hmm. Well, in Mar- Marvel Comics, the last Annihilation continues in Wiccan and Hulkling. Uh, I think it's a, a one shot. Hmm. Oh, you know, I did not grab cable this week. Boy, that looked like a dumpster fire. Yeah, I did, was not. Did y'all look at the preview pages? That no. was some sad, sad stuff. Yeah, I was <laughs> not picking up cable. I don't care that they're putting in the middle of crossover. I'll miss part yeah. of the crossover. I'm yeah. not giving them money for cable. <laughs> well, I I decided I said, okay, well, let me take a look at the preview pages. Maybe I'll be excited there. And who? No. Whew, it was bad. That was some bad stuff. I uh, who. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. Uh, Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hey Paul, you've got a you got a flight coming up, don't you? Are you like heading out the door right now? No, no, Wednesday. Wednesday I fly out. So and so uh, you know, Paul is heading down to Florida for some Halloween horror nights uh, yes. previewing, and he's going to be be doing all the video, all the things. Be sure and keep an eye on our YouTube channel because Paul is going to have lots and lots of very scary things to share. Exactly. I enjoyed the food preview. Yeah, I enjoyed (laughs) the food preview, Paul. I know. I'm hungry. I'm I'm ready. My stomach is ready. Very good. (laughs) Well, hey, we'll do it all again next time. All right. Catch you guys then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.